0: All my years of coaching and fathering and and teaching and you name it, leadership positions. I have to be honest, I don't have any formula for uh, looking into people's hearts and minds and souls. I mean, who does, right? But there's no secret to that. Uh, it's a matter of
1: experience and perception. Welcome to the Winners Find A Way Show, Episode 8, the simplistic approach with my former collegiate tennis coach, Daryl Davies, longtime head official of the USTA 18U and 16U Boys National Championships in Tennis, commonly known as Nats at the Zoo, where... The champion is an automatic feeder into the U.S. Open Tennis Championships, the Grand Slam that started this week in New York. So no better timing than discussing this with Daryl about positioning yourself, insect mentality, the ingredients of success, taking a simplistic approach, and adaptability. You've got to adapt and change to be a more successful person and have a more successful outcome. Join us. Episode eight: The simplistic approach with Daryl Davies. I have with me today, Daryl Davies. Daryl, say hello. Hello, everybody. So excited to have you, Daryl. Um, let's talk quickly about the show before I dive into a little bit of your background. If you're out there and you're listening, you know, have you ever faced stiff adversity? Felt like the losses are mounting and you need to find a better way. You've come to the right place. Successful people have often uh, encountered and been challenged in many adversities and they've overcome them. Um, so whether you're an entrepreneur, an athlete, a business leader looking to start your journey today, you want to be elite. This is the podcast for you and we are thrilled that you are here today. Daryl Davies, if you have questions for Daryl, you know, please ask them in the chat. We'll get to them and uh, we may send you a note back even on those questions, but there'll be time at the end for a little Q and A so you can put those in. Let's talk about a few highlights about Daryl Davies. Uh, Daryl, before I do that, where do people find you online? Uh, you have email, you have, how do, how do people get in touch with Daryl Davies?
0: Sure. Um, I have, uh, an email. D Davies. That's my other one. (laughs) Uh, The one I'm using now is tcoach.3349 at gmail.com. That's tcoach as in tennis. And you're in LinkedIn? I'm not in LinkedIn actively, but uh, I do a Facebook contact as well.
1: Okay. So I can find you on Facebook, Daryl Davies. All right. Perfect. A few highlights I jotted down about you. You know, longtime university professor at Kalamazoo Valley Community College. A long time tennis coach for that institution, pretty good tennis player yourself by the way and uh, and and pickleball player too now, which of course we 're <laughs> moving all to in our age right and then no. uh, and then you 've been an official for the USTA and tennis for a long time, and now you 've been the head official for the Kalamazoo Boys National Tennis championships for how many years now
0: well i've been uh, the head referee since uh, 2006. Um, I started working that tournament uh, in actually
1: 1979. Oh, wow. Okay, so you got 15 years as the head referee this year. 15-year anniversary for you. That's pretty awesome. And did you guys have the, uh, did they have the tournament last year under COVID?
0: They didn't. Um, The USTA decided not to have it here uh, in Kalamazoo. They were intending to split it up we have both the 16s and the 18s age divisions uh so they intended to put the 18s down in orlando which is the main usta uh, campus now Mm -hmm. uh, and put the uh, 16s i think they were going to do it in memphis tennessee um they were not able to carry through with that idea at all so the boys nationals did not occur at all last year
1: wow and and that's and that's for people that don't know, like that's storied history. This tournament has gone on for how long, Darryl? In
0: 2019, it was the 75th year at which it was held at Kalamazoo College Stowe Stadium.
1: Wow. I mean, and that's, that's 75 years at one location for those, you know, like this tennis and, and sports in our history in the United States, this is a big deal. And what a lot of people don't know about this tournament also is that if you win that 18U Boys Championship, You have an automatic bid to the Grand Slam US Open, which you and I both know how hard it is to get a seat or uh, to get that ticket punched into that tournament. Absolutely. And uh, although this
0: is an amateur event for the last uh, 10 years, we have allowed professional players into it simply because the younger players uh, have been playing more professional events, and, um, you know, especially in Europe. And uh, we couldn't really. Exclude those players. So um, we do have a number of players, especially in the 18s age division, uh, that are technically professional players. They have they have won money um, abroad. So things certainly have evolved with this tournament to uh, accommodate, as you would, the game of tennis uh, as it has developed internationally.
1: That's that's it's awesome. Well, and you know, you, we talked about the money now, and uh, a first round loss at the U.S. Open is worth. $63,000 the last time I checked. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's, that's for losing folks. That's not like you won that, right? Like, I don't know what the second round, I mean, you won one. I think the second round must be worth 80 or 85 then or something, right? Pretty
0: so much. Yeah.
1: You can imagine folks, this is a, this is a competitive environment for people to kind of make, I mean, that's real money. I mean, that's a lot of money. That's, that's a lot more money than some people make all year. Right. So it's a big deal. Um, Daryl, talk about this for a minute. Like, let's talk a little bit about your why you've influenced tons of young people. I mean, obviously on a university campus, you've seen 18 to 21 year olds your whole life, uh, and you're, and you're so involved with this group now with, uh, the boys nationals. Why do you come on the show and you talk about the challenges you faced? What's, what's the impact for you in that?
0: Well, um, I had a, uh, pretty nice upbringing, pretty nice life. It wasn't difficult, challenging as such. Um, but, you know, we all have to find our way. We all have to find our identity, as it were, and uh, sort of dovetail that into our life. And um, a lot of influences, of course, happen along the way for all of us to do that. So um, I'm not one of those hardcore, hard time, I rose above adversity kind of stories. Um, but as you noted, uh, you know, I've been doing the tournament for uh, since, since 1979, Um, I taught at the KVCC for 49 years. Um, I I persevered and um, uh, Lou Holtz uh, wrote one of his books, uh, wins, losses, and lessons learned. Uh, And in there, he lists four characteristics of um, winners as it were. Uh, And he didn't mean winners, winner loss in terms of games all the time, but in life in general. And one of his four uh, core principles is perseverance. So, I, as I look back at my life, uh, two things stand out. Uh, perseverance is certainly one of them. Um, the other one is quote serendipity. I mean, uh, chance events. Um, chance events happen to all of us, of course. But the the difference between the impact of those chance events is what the heck do you do with them? You know, uh-huh. how do you handle them? So, I've been fortunate. Been surrounded by a lot of uh, uh, good people uh, who had my best interest in mind. Uh, gave showed me good leadership, and um, as I told uh, over the years, as you can ma- you can imagine, as you mentioned, I deal with college age 18 to 22 or so kids all the time. And and uh, periodically over the 49 years, um, and, I, and I teach a very hard course, or I taught a very hard course. It's in human anatomy and physiology, not your elective type course. So these people who go into that course uh, supposedly know what they want to do. They want to go to the healthcare profession. But uh, they're still looking for direction, of course. And uh, from time to time, we'd get into a discussion and uh, the topic would come up. you know, Daryl, how did you, or Professor Davies, you know, how did you end up, you know, how you are, you know, you can do this and that. And um, and I I have a simple answer to that question. I was lucky uh, in terms of my environment. And I point out to them, I think, find uh, the, the young folks today have an extremely challenging task because... Uh, In my day, everything was consistent. You know, my mom told me something. My dad told me the same thing. My my teachers did. The politicians did. The corporate leaders did. The athletes did. And I didn't have much of a choice. I mean, I just did what everybody showed me was the right thing to do. But today's world is uh, unbelievably challenging for these Mm. youngsters. Every time they turn around, uh, uh, whether it be social media or their own friends, they're hearing something different, Mm. uh, getting different. So. I'm I'm fortunate, and I, I appreciate the the way my life has developed. I don't know about the young kids today; they they they're, they're so confused because mm. of that input, the multiple inputs they get. So,
1: well, that's you know, you and I have talked about this before, and I and it's really when you said it to me the first time, it was impactful because I I realized that. So I don't see that the same as luck for you, right? I, I see that as you were always preparing and positioning yourself because you were you got a lot of alignment around those people who told you the right things to do. And mm-hmm. so you learned the right things to do and then you did them, <laughs> right? Which is, you know, that's, that's step two. As a professor, you know, you tell them the information like, oh, I didn't study it, uh, teach. Was that wrong? Like, well, yeah, you failed, <laughs> right? So right. you have to actually do it. You did do it, positioning yourself for opportunity. So when that opportunity presented itself, they were like, hey, Daryl Davies is a guy we want. Like he's always done this you know in our world we talk about um that card like we all you know we all want to lead and if we're playing that card game we want aces and to me an ace is coachability adaptability handles responsibility and does that again and again proving dependability and i'm like wow and and i have aces on my team and i'm like wow uh I've got something that needs to be done. Where's Nissa? Because she's an ace, right? I know that she's a, she's she's all those four things. And so it's 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 very interesting you you mentioned a really strong challenge for the youth uh that are coming up now that there is a lot of different opinions. There are a lot of different it, it doesn't feel aligned that this is the only option. So there's some really cool things about having more options. But there's a real big challenge of having too many options, no focus and lack of direction. So boy, that's, that's, that's impactful, Daryl. That's very impactful for, for people that don't know, uh, my story, athletic background. Daryl and I were together for two runs at a national championship together as we went down to Tyler, Texas for the national junior college tennis championships. Uh, I was a player and Daryl was a coach. Daryl went many times. I went twice <laughs> the two years I was, I was with Daryl and his program. So that was an impactful time. And, you know, one of the things that I love about sport, Daryl, is I, I've been blessed too, man, in this that I played in three, you know, state championships as a high school baseball player. I played two national championships as a college tennis player. Uh, I played in conference championships as a college baseball player you know, and then coached in three world series, right? Like, like big game, like impact, you know, the highest level that you're trying to reach wherever you're at, you know, was kind of there. And let's talk a little bit about that, what you saw from your athletes, like dealing with the pressure of the moment. You know, I I love, I love how John Wooden talked about how being, being great when you're, when your best is needed. And, and today I always point immediately to like Tom Brady, right? Like, like when his best yeah. is needed or, or in tennis world, Daryl, you'll really appreciate. I always felt like Roger Federer, like when your best is needed, like, like, wait a minute. Roger lowered his unforced errors by 10% in the championship where everybody else, you know, we get tight and, and we make more unforced errors. Like he's actually lowering his number, right? It's like, wait, what? He's playing better than, He he hasn't even lost a set yet, and now he's in the championship playing better? This guy is unbelievable. Talk to a little bit about what you saw there as a coach and player. Winners Find A Way Show is brought to you by Data Driven Operations, powered by Journeys. Journeys is a software solution that helps you create a winning formula for your organization. DD Ops, powered by Journey, helps you act as one, see as one, work as one, play as one, win as one. Are you looking for visibility, coachability, and productivity amongst your team? DD Ops is your software. Click on the link in the show notes to learn more.
0: Well, I lump some of the things that are hard to quantify. I simply call them the intangibles. You know, I had players that if they split sets, I could walk away and be pretty assured that they would win a third set. Or if they got into a tie break, for example, I could walk away pretty sure that they would win that there are other players though (laughs) that they split sets I kind of walk away thinking that well they probably are not going to win that Mm -hmm. now I've never in all my years of coaching and fathering and and teaching and you name it leadership positions um, I have to be honest uh, I don't have any formula for uh, looking into people's hearts and minds and souls I mean who does right yeah. Uh, some claim they may, you know, but there's no secret to that. Uh, it's a matter of experience and perception. So uh, what does make that difference? Um, there are some ingredients that contribute to success, some basic ingredients. Uh, you know, Lou Holtz, yes. said perseverance is one of them. Uh, the other one is showing up. You know, I don't know yeah. who said this, but they said I think it was a comedian, but it's a pretty relevant thing that like 70 percent of success is simply showing up. And that's an important thing when you're teaching, you know. And and I have an eight o'clock in the morning class. Yeah. uh, 20 people in the room. And, uh, you know, I've often wondered why do they show up really, you know, to to listen to this lecture? So showing up is critical. Uh, Perseverance is critical. Um, Focus is critical. Uh, Now, you can say focus, everybody does, like that, doing tennis, keep your eye on the ball. What the heck does that really mean? Mm -hmm. Well, focus, in my opinion, means. You keep it simple. Um, uh, Tennis uh, maybe like golf, but you know, tennis is a very psychological game and can be emotional as well. So sure there are skills and skills are easy to teach. I mean, you can teach anybody to hit a tennis ball pretty well, but that's not what makes the difference between the successful outcome or the less than successful outcome. So tennis can be overcomplicated sometimes. And so I do with a KISS method, you know, keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> uh, and, um, so sim- simplify things, uh, get down to the basics, uh, perseverance uh, showing up and then realize in tennis anyway, a very important principle that, that a lot of even successful players, um, miss some of the times. And that is you can win a match by simply allowing your opponent to lose.
1: Yeah. So
0: often tennis players will walk out yeah. there thinking. You have to win every match. Yeah. Therefore, I have to win more points. I have to win yeah. my – well, uh, not really. And when you think that way, I've got to win, it puts a pressure on you. Uh, if you can kind of turn that around and say, well, I'm not going to pressure myself to win. I'm going to pressure myself to simply allow my opponent to lose.
1: Yeah.
0: The reality of tennis is who wins a match? Well, it's the one who hits the ball over the net the last time. Right? Yeah. I mean it's pretty simple to talk about. So those are the kind of things that I tried to employ. Um, and also the focusing on positive outcomes as opposed to avoiding negative ones. Mm. Uh there was, I don't know if it was during your era or not, mm. um, but I came across these uh, this guy named Dr. Dennis Waitley, who was a, a motivational speaker, sure. much to you and your ilk, but um, he worked with NCAA, he worked with uh, uh, Olympic athletes, with uh, NASA. And I thought, well, you know, we're driving down to Florida on our Southern trip, and we're going to be in that van for 24 hours, for crying out loud. I got to do something. And this will kind of date me, of course. but um, So I ordered a a set of tapes, you know, cassette tapes of his book. And I thought, what the heck? I want to listen to these anyway, and, you know, I'll have the players listen to it. They don't have a choice. They're in the van, right? Yeah. <laughs> but he made, or his uh, approach uh, was a, a, a really made a difference in me personally, and also in the out and the players. And his approach can be summed up by simply positive self expectancy. That was mm. his three words. And the whole thing was simply always focus on what you want as the desirable outcome instead of telling yourself what to avoid mm-hmm. the classic thing in tennis. I hear it all the time. I, I do a lot of collegiate matches and so on. So they, so coaches can coach during college matches. They can't during USDA matches, but so I I'm up in the umpire's chair and I just hear virtually everything the coaches tell their players on the changeovers. And uh for example, Dennis Waitley would say, never tell your player, don't double fault or, yeah. Don't miss that shot up the yeah. line. D- don't do that. Yeah. And instead, tell your player, get your serve in. Uh, hit the ball over the net. Yes. Hit the ball cross court, whatever the instruction yes. may be. And so that on the player's mind then is the positive outcome rather than the player getting ready to serve and saying, oh, I hope I don't double fault. I don't want to double. Because yeah. your brain here is double fault. It doesn't pay attention to the don't. And therefore, <laughs> you're probably going to get a bad outcome. But as simple as that approach is, it made a profound difference to focus on the positive outcome rather than avoiding the negative one.
1: It was huge for me as a kid growing up. Uh, You know, I remember Dr. Lore. uh, You remember him? Jim Lore was a big tennis impact guy. He was, you know, somewhat in the same, you know, deal, what we're telling ourselves, right? Our our self talk. And if we start thinking, like, yeah, hey, stop hitting that backhand wide. Don't hit it wide. Like, like, don't is a bad word to start with in the first place, right? Because it already starts formulating, like, what if I do do it? Like, especially so, uh, so it's, it's amazing how that those, those just little turns in words can have so much impact. And, and as you talk about that game, you, you coached me for two years. You know that that is my game, right? Stay out there and wear them down, right? Like, I, I don't know how many matches I won. Uh, I, I recall beating a lot more talented uh more skilled tennis players athletically by staying out there, persevering and 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 making them miss by the pressure that was applied by I, I gotta hit four more shots against this player than I do against anybody else. And I'm tired. I'm fatigued. I'm any way I could get an edge, I was looking for it. But one of the things that was so profound for me when I played for you. As a very, uh, you know, I was an ultra competitor and probably a strength and a weakness like anything, right? Um, I love to compete. Absolutely wanted to win all the time. And and my anger and frustration of not winning was was a, a negative impact for myself, for my team. You saw it. Uh, it wasn't great for me, you know, as a 19, 20-year-old kid. And it was really a maturing process for me. Uh, and one of those maturing processes when I was sponsored, you know, and I'm cracking rackets, it wasn't so bad when I had to pay for it. I, I learned that's not so great. Right. Um, that, 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 the, <laughs> that, that tightened things up pretty fast, actually. Um, but, yes. but you told me one day, uh, I'd played a match and I played a pretty good player, but, uh, I hadn't played well and, uh, and I lost and I was just angry. I mean, I was just angry that I would really felt like I could have pushed this player a lot harder, even though they were a lot better than I was. I probably should have lost, but I was used to beating players that were <laughs> a lot more skilled than yeah. me. So I expected, as, as Dr. Waitley says, I expected to win. I went on a court expecting to win. And you 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 said, hey, listen, did you do your best? Which I'm sure at that point, I probably shot you a fire and brimstone look like, you know, I do my best right when I go out to play. <laughs> but but the impact of me was like the next thing you said when you said hey can you expect anything more from yourself and i just thought hey that's that's it that's all i can do is bring everything i've got today and some days that's awesome right some days i was pretty good and some days right. you know it wasn't so great and and i'm sure the other person on the other side of that had a lot to do with that right <laughs> like that i wasn't uh what i doing what i wanted to do with it because they may have been controlling things and the points in the match. But that really that really pushed me to a new level of solace that I could go out and prepare and let the chips fall where they may. Um, but those ingredients I still knew. I still knew that if I didn't prepare, I did have myself to blame. Uh, but if I felt like I'd done all those things and went out and did my best, I, I found I could live with the result. Without the anger, without the angst. And I thought that was probably a pivotal moment for me as a young man.
0: Well, it's interesting. Um, When players like you, which were on my team over the years, um, when they would get so down, let's say, uh, about losing or not winning, um, it's interesting. I would use a, a baseball analogy. I would ask them, Hey, do you follow baseball? Oh, yeah, sure. You know uh, who's, who's one of your favorite players? Oh, Barry Bonds or who knows, yeah. uh, depending on the time, bench, whatever. I said, okay, um, what do you know about their batting averages? Oh, well, Barry Bonds is, you know, again, I'm, I'm not a baseball uh, yeah. statistic guy, but let's make something up. What was Barry Bonds' lifetime batting average, do you think? Oh, yeah, 300? like 300,
1: maybe, maybe okay. 300, like he's a power okay. guy.
0: Exactly. So, or, or pick any player, even Ted Williams,
1: right? His, 400, you know, not even it. lifetime. He did that once. <laughs> yeah. well, okay. Well,
0: But I'm saying you can pick any player you want, even the best in the world at what they do like Ted Williams and say, uh, Hey, what was the batting average Oh, 400. Oh, isn't that amazing? Blah, 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 blah. I says, yeah, it's amazing. But do you know what that means? Statistically? Well, it means he's a really good hitter. Well, he was a really good hitter. 40% of the time. Yeah. In other words, he failed 60%. Of of the time, and yet he's still the best human being ever at the plate. Yeah. And so it's interesting. Tennis players are uh, have a peculiar view generally of wins and losses. If yeah. they don't win a tournament, they think they failed. Now, yeah. the fact that they went through four rounds before they lost, they yeah. seem to like discount.
1: Well, wait yeah, a minute. 128 wait, down do to fail? sixteen. You were you were the top sixteen <laughs> yeah. of the one hundred and twenty-eight. We have 192
0: right? players in that draw, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. In the national. And the guy loses in the round of 16 and he goes, Oh, doggone, and I'm I'm a failure. Wait a minute. <laughs> you know? Yeah, failure. Anyway, Come on. So yeah, it's interesting to bring into balance, that's the point, into perspective, as I tried to do with you and the players of <laughs> when I coached, look, did you do your best? You know, we're going to have good days and bad days. Everybody does. I mean, Cabrera goes 0 for 4, right? Yeah. Sometime. Yeah. Does he? I don't know what his heart and soul is, but I doubt if he goes into the clubhouse thinking he was a failure that day. Right. Or that it carries over to the next day, even worse, right? Put your losses behind you. You had a bad day. Fine. Yeah. And so um, one's uh, uh, self-talk, if you will, or one's perception of... The moment, the result, the outcome, the day, the tournament, the match, uh, that's important, not only for the moment, like living with yourself, you know, not tearing yourself apart that day, yeah. but also for tomorrow. Even more important, for tomorrow, put it behind you. And tennis players, <laughs> because the game has so much psychology and emotion to it, um, they, sometimes they struggle with that more than other athletes might in other sports.
1: Yeah, I think it's huge. And, and going on your point, Andy Roddick was really good about this. You know, everyone was on, on Andy Roddick back in the day because he was only the fifth player in the world. And, you know, and he was like, when are you going to start winning some grand slams, Andy? And when are you, gonna... and, and everyone's kind of like, man, you're just really not getting it done. And he's like, you know, if, if I was in the NBA, I'd, I'd be a starter in the all star game every year for the last seven years, right? Like, I'm one of the best right. ten, and that that that's the starting five in the Eastern Conference, and a five in the Western like yeah. I'm one of the best. Like, and and they're kind of like, well, yeah, I know, but you don't beat Roger. <laughs> like, what? Wait, <laughs> what? Like, so it was, it was, um, it is perspective, right? And and I think the right. psychology part is such a big deal because, like, every sport is psychology, and and, and I just did this show uh, two days ago, and they asked me about this, and I said, you know, man, um. I did the show leadership DNA and they asked me about it. I said, you know, the, the exercise science and physiology, you and I are both science guys and I love it. And I said, it was crucial, but I don't know if it was as valuable to me coaching professional athletes as a psychology degree would have been like, it it was, there's so much at that level and, and the, and the, and the physical variances are just fractional. Right. But the psychological variances end up being the massive, you know, discrepancy in the gap. And, uh, so it's a, it's a very interesting, it's a very interesting prospect. Let me, let me flip this a little bit on you. Let's talk a little bit about the most impactful point a pivot point that you had, maybe as a young man, that you you kind of knew you were destined, where you wanted to, you know, leading young people, being a college professor, coach. When did, that, when did you see that clearly for you? Was there a moment in time that kind of changed things for you and said, this is what I really want to do?
0: Now, I'm not sure I ever had one of those eureka moments. Um, I'm kind of a cerebral type person <laughs> rather than emotional, so yes. it takes time. So- for things to sink in but I, I I can I can think of a pivotal time in my life where um, I, I kind of was awakened and that is I had um, I had very high success in sports in high school in particular three sports and um, particularly because I was physically talented and you know skillful and whatever and I, and I didn't go to some big urban metropolitan school, uh, either. I mean, we were a smaller school. But nonetheless, it's hard to look beyond, so to speak, your own everyday existence and try to get a, a balance point, especially for football, because there aren't, you know, postseason season tournaments, there weren't any then anyway. Um, so anyway, I, I'm a celebrated athlete on the football field. I get a scholarship to uh, Butler University. And I go down there and uh, I wake up to the fact that I'm no longer a big frog in a little pond. I'm a little frog in a bigger pond. And I struggled yeah. to deal with that after having so much early successes. Again, without the ability to have a reference point, you know, outside. I mean, my dad uh, was a swimmer. He didn't really participate in college uh, athletics. Uh, my mom like most women of the, that day that she was an artist. I mean, you know, so I, I they didn't have experience that they could share with me. So my own experiences were <laughs> there, right? And uh when you're a big frog in a little pond, like I say, you, it's hard not to escape the fact, well, I'm really something, right? Yeah. And but but you get out of that pond and wow. So the reason I mentioned that experience is because it woke me up, I suppose, to the reality that the world is a bigger place. Mm. and if it's a bigger place there are a lot of other people out there that have very diverse experiences and thoughts and so on and so forth so that widened me so to speak to be more accepting to be um more empathetic if you will to differences and difficulties of people because again you you take a naturally talented athlete i don't care what sport and uh You know, you say, well, this player is just an amazing player, best in the world, blah, 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 blah. Um, Let's make him a coach. Well, turns out the really best naturally talented people are not really very good, in my opinion, (laughs) at teaching other people. That's right. Because they never had to go through that step-by-step process of a learning process, whether it be be sports or academics, it doesn't really matter. So – It's kind of, it's not an intuitive type thing. You know I mean? We talked about this the other day shortly about, you know, uh, catchers, for example, uh, in baseball being uh, very desirable in terms of managers because
1: that's
0: what they do in their own job, you know, when they're playing is they manage the game uh, behind the plate. So uh, that was sort of a turning point. But again, it wasn't a light bulb went off kind of point. I realized that in the the next, uh, you know, coming two or three years and then realized, well, I... I better think about this a little differently. I better start working a little harder to, let's say, learn new things and earn development rather than just being granted development, so to speak, uh, genetically or you know, skill wise.
1: Yeah, I think I think that dealing with. I, I wonder if universities are better at that today. Or organizations. I don't know how good we were at it in professional baseball either, because we had the same issue, right? Bring in a kid from the farm who, you know, throws ninety-three miles an hour, and now he's got to compete with the all-American from LSU or Texas. One of these prestigious schools that everybody's talked about and he's always been told he's a superstar and he's great and this is exactly where I belong and we we get our old imposter syndrome going on well I don't know if I belong here I I didn't start a big college and you know and all these things and and it's tough it's it's tough in all sorts of things whether you're you know, the first chair at high school. And then you go to the symphony at the university and you're like, uh, well, you're seven now. Like, wait, what? No, and I'm the best. Everyone's told me forever. Well, like all the others, 12 on the, in in the department, you know, they're also the best they were at like too. Right. So we all come together and we got to sort it out. And it's one of the things I think that I really got to, and I really love that you mentioned that because it does, it really broadens your lens. Uh, it really makes you more open. Um, uh, it's one of the things I love about athletics, you know, as we talk about a social time in our life of racism and, and, and posturing. And, um, you know, we, we come from a line of England where there's a, you know, a caste system, right? And that's, that's really been away from America and athletics more than anything is separates that. Uh, you know, we, we won a world championship with, People from 10 different nations and business cultures and nationalities and colors. And like, no one ever asked like, Hey, if you can play, I don't care if you're purple, Daryl, you're in. <laughs> like, that's it. Like it is a, it is a melting pot, but it also comes back to one goal and we're in it together as a team. And I love that aspect of things. Um, but I do wonder how many organizations lean into that challenge of a young adult coming into an environment like that and because that challenge is real and it repeats itself every year again and again in these transitions of doing something new and i don't know if it stops because you had to transition when you took over the tennis program and then you got to transition when now you're the head referee of the usta boys nationals and then you got to transition from uh, Long time professor to retirement, and then you got to transition, and there's a different lens, there's a different look. And and I don't know how good we are at that as a, as a nation to prepare and, and, and ready ourselves for adapting to those things. What's, what's your thought on that?
0: Well, my thought is uh, going back to that uh, KISS method, so to speak, uh, again, to keep it simple, stupid. There are, are uh, a multitude. Of, of variables out there in life in general. You mentioned businesses or teams, or it doesn't matter. Um, again, with my simplistic approach, there are just some key features, personality features, emotional features, what, however you want to say that, psychological um, features that are key, uh, totally key, fundamental, that will en- enable you to be successful at whatever you choose to do. I'm pretty old. i a pretty old guy. <laughs> I come from an era where, uh, again, the messages that I received uh, growing up were, were consistent. So again, I, I simply say I use the word lucky. You said, ah, you're not really lucky. Well, I understand. But the point is, it wasn't a challenge for me to find my way, so to speak, in the world because the world around me was consistent. And I simply followed the path Yeah, was to my benefit. Well, you know, as time went by, that became old fashioned or uh, not progressive or whatever term you want to say, it was undesired, less desirable, right? To listen to somebody and do what they told you to do. No, 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 no. I'm an individual. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, freedom is wonderful. Freedom is wonderful if, if there's a pathway, if there's some guidance in that. Uh, total freedom, I say is sometimes like you give somebody too much rope, they'll hang themselves. They don't want to, yeah. but you give them too much of something and you don't give them direction. Hmm, it's, it's a hit or, hit or miss thing. Uh, and in today's world with all of this, the multitude of, um, uh, different messages that are coming into these kids, uh, again, where is their direction? So getting back to the kiss method is look, you listen to whatever you're, you know, involved in. And you say, well, but, yeah, I listen. Well, yeah, you got your cell phone sitting there on the table. Yeah. You're talking to two other people who also had their cell phones sitting on the table. Yeah, but they're not ringing. I'm not looking at them. But when they do ring, what do you do? Oh, yeah. And I think, you know, something as simple as that, how rude, so to speak, you're talking with somebody personally, that's physically there. And then a call comes in, and you take the call. Yeah. Uh, No, no. Pay attention to the moment, get the most out of the moment, whatever it may be. So listen, listen. And that means visually, audibly and so on. So take in the moment. Number two, reflect like not maybe at the moment, but later that day, the next day. What I wonder what Joe really meant or, you know, when Joe said this, you know, that's kind of interesting. I don't think these kids have any time to reflect. They're constantly bombarded with new stuff, mm. you know, A stimulus. distractions mostly. So they can't listen very well. Uh, they can't reflect and therefore uh, obtain some sort of meaning out of what they didn't listen to. Right. And then, and then thirdly, um, work hard or work smart is the more modern interpretation of that, you know, uh, hard work is uh, something that's important. Yes. I don't care if it's on the football field, the tennis court, or in the classroom you got to work and dedicate yourself to that. And then perseverance, a word that's come up several times here, persevere at that. And then I suppose you could add a fifth one in there is reflect. Like stand back, try to be outside of yourself and say, huh, Daryl, what, what, what have you made? What have you done with your life, so to speak, this last week, this last month, mm-hmm. this last year, whatever? And, um, and then be truthful with the answers to those questions. Oh, Daryl, you screwed up. You lied. You cheated. Mm-hmm. You, you abused this person. Um, you missed this opportunity and don't walk away from that. Don't turn your back on that. You, you'll you never be able to benefit from that yeah. knowledge. If you simply say eh, doesn't matter. Eh, never happened. Eh, yeah. it's not my fault. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so that's not a simple answer so to speak to your question, but those are the things that the, th- the two things that, that I found in the students coming up within the last, let's say, 10 years that I taught in college. The two things that bothered me the most were number one, the students did not really have a good grasp on how to learn. They, they didn't know how to learn. Now, if you know how to learn, it doesn't matter what subject you, you're confronting. Yeah. You'll, you'll learn math, you'll learn sociology, history, geography, yep. it, it doesn't matter. If you know how to learn, it's a tool you can apply to that process. Mm-hmm. Number two, the really disturbing thing is they didn't seem to care. Mm. That is, a student comes into my office and says, hey, how am I doing? You know, I'm two-thirds of the way through the semester. How am I doing? Well, first of all, I post grades daily. You ought to know the answer ask right. that question yourself. It's online. <laughs>
1: yeah. right?
0: Well, okay, fine. You want personal touch. I uh, totally understand. Like I'm, I'm old-fashioned. I'm into that. I say well, you, you're sitting here with a forty three percent two thirds way you know three quarters way through the semester, oh really um what do i what do I need to do to pass? <laughs> you're very tempted' in the professor to say nothing <laughs> at forty three percent three quarters way through the semester, there's no way in the world you're going to pass this class, yeah, and then when they realize the reality, you know you politely tell them, you yeah, know, I wouldn't be crude like that. But say, well, you know mathematically, I'll play with the numbers. well, here's the numbers while you're sitting in the office you're just not going you can't achieve one hundred and forty percent on the next four tests right. It's impossible, right. therefore you can't <laughs> and at that point, it's interesting. I mean, I don't expect a person to break down and cry to say, Oh, my life's come to an end i don't I don't expect that, but they say oh well i'll just I'll just take the next semester well. <laughs> There's somebody who's probably going to flunk it again next semester because yeah. they didn't review realize why they're in this position this semester. Yeah. So that's that old what 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 does information mean to you? you know, yeah. What are you going to do about it? And we we're, we're not at a lack of information these days or lack of access to information. I mean, we're overflowing with access and information. Yeah, so I think this isn't an issue of our system uninformed it's an issue or society not knowing what to do or not willing to do with that information what they need to do so again pretty complex
1: yeah to I answer think, your I think question but one thing that really comes out of my mind in that is that you know accountability to me is like a four-letter word right people don't like i'm like hey like no this is good like we have to be accountable to somebody and to some things, and people don't like it necessarily always. And I appreciate that for sure. I don't like accountability all the time either. I'd like to, you know, order room service and eat bonbons and you know, you watch a watch Netflix all night. But it turns out I would be, you know, a hundred pounds overweight if I did those. Like, there's a there's a consequence for that action, right? And and I felt that. Mm-hmm. I've I felt that you know, having a terrible meal and waking up the next day going ugh. <laughs> like I don't feel good, so we've all had that immediate response. And I'll and I'll tell you as a as a fifty one year old person, you know, who I went to college and I learned at college how to study. I had no idea when I went to university how to learn something. Now I I should say I guess I knew how to learn a little bit from sports. You know, there's a lot of coaching and there's a lot of team. But how to apply that to be a student and and actually do the work, prepare, learn. I I learned that at university. I learned that at KVCC. Now, when you talk about accountability, you know, I, I never had a problem caring about what I cared about, but let's talk about what maybe I didn't care about. There was a, I don't know if I ever said like, wow, I got to get a degree. This is so important. I was at university doing what I wanted to do, but <clears throat> the accountability for me was you, you gave me a scholarship and paid for my tuition. And that was a beautiful thing for me. But I also know if I failed my grades, um, the tuition reimbursement wouldn't come anymore. And I was no longer to be able on the team. Like that was an automatic, you were were removed. It wasn't a right, it was a privilege. And you had to do those things in order to maintain. So there was a built-in accountability. and, and, And now I'm thinking, well, if I got to study and I got to maintain, there's no reason to get C's. I might as well get A's, right? Like, why would I, why would I just, you know, quote unquote half asset, right? I didn't know the language. <laughs> so I just think that, that we're missing that. And, and part of that is, um, man, you know, you, you know, the kids and especially you and I at in this environment at the junior college, like it didn't take me, but a second to know the kids that were, doing the job and paying for this, paying for these tuition credits and the kids that mom and dad were paying and, and, you know, I'll just take it again. Like, you know, there'll be another check, you know, for next semester or whatever there, I could sniff that out in, in 15 seconds, right. In a conversation and you saw the way they carried themselves about what this meant to them, because if you had the young lady who, who worked down at UPS From 11 p.m. till till 4 in the morning, and she wasn't coming to Mm -hmm. you with a 43% to two Thursday. She was coming on day three. Going, how am I doing? (laughs) It's it's day three. How did I do on the first quiz? You know, like am I am I am I studying the right things? Am I reading the right material? Do you think two hours in my text chapter is enough? You know, they're asking the questions, uh, uh, in, in a in a not a a post reactive. They are being proactive and getting involved in how they could learn best. And you see that, those two variances of style. What's
0: that? That's right. They care. Yeah. They care. And the why that makes the difference between those two types of people is is the person who worked at UPS there. Uh, She or he cares, care about different things, but they care about constructive things, you know, whether it's being – Hey, I, I, I've got a family to feed or, or I, yeah. I want to get to a point where I don't have to work <laughs> midnight to four or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. That whole issue of consequences in today's world, American world, United States world, in my opinion, uh, over the last number of years, uh, politically speaking, leadership speaking in this country, they have or there's been, I don't know if it's a concerted effort, but it's been, I think, a fairly successful one, separated or, or broken the connection between that concept of behavior or decisions and consequences to the behavior and decisions. That relationship has been dramatically weakened. That's a complex topic that you could talk about forever as to why or who are the major players, but I think that's been a a major issue in in our country uh, in in say you know ten years last ten years or so so I'm not picking any particular political party sure. or politician sure. thing, because it's a countrywide thing and uh, you know when you break this law and um, somebody says uh, you're going to jail for a week or whatever it's going to cost you five hundred whatever uh, that's not a good thing but it's reality. And and you, boom, my God, I don't have 500 bucks or yeah, I guess I have to spend four days in jail because I don't have that money yeah. or whatever.
1: I could lose uh, my I, job. I, I could, you know, if I'm not going to show up for work for three days, I lose my job. Like all those trickle effects right. of those decisions.
0: That's right. So, but I think this society has moved away from that reality. That is nowadays, it's more, you break the law and it's like, nah, who cares? <laughs> it's like, right. we, we're too, yeah. we're, we're going to, we're going to let you be. Never mind. That's, we're going to let you. Yeah. So, that's a, again, a significant issue. You started your project about accountability. And uh, I agree that that is a key issue um, in whatever development <laughs> goes forward in a person. If you're not accountable uh, and you don't learn from your mistakes or your weaknesses, for then there's no improvement. There's no advancement. There's no quote success in any way, however you want to define it, if you don't do that.
1: Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's the. Thing that people are missing about accountability. You're doing this for me. You're holding me accountable so that I learn the science in class so that I can be a contributor in the medical field. If you don't do that, I don't get the ladder, right? Like, I, I don't get to contribute in the medical field. I don't have the degree. I don't have. So, what you're doing for me while tough at that time serves me ultimately. And I think that people miss that. Like, like we're, we're having a tough time connecting those two things. And uh, so let's, let's talk a little bit, of, you know, on the show, it's, it's, it's winners find a way, right? Which is, which is from Chris McChesney yep. and Sean Covey's book, uh, the four disciplines of execution, which says, quote, winners, when shown data that they are losing, find a way to win. Question for you is you've had a lot of success. You've won a lot um, in a lot of different ways, right? But what's, what is the best battle that you've conquered in your lifetime? <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's, that's a tough one. Uh, I, I don't I ask to easy, minimize Carol, I don't easy questions. <laughs> you didn't come on yeah, the kiss show, I, I, bro. Yeah. Like I, I came to bring the heavy stuff to you, man.
0: You're holding me accountable. Let's be, you're being consistent there. Yeah. Um, I, I tend to personally, I tend to uh, downplay uh, or underemphasize my own successes. Um uh, I'm not the, I'm not the billboard type. Uh people find out about what I've done or how long and they say really wow wow that's amazing. You know, I, as you know, I have ridden my bicycle uh, coast to coast twice, right? On, on trips. And we average 115 miles a day uh for oh. 40 days. And um now, that's not something everybody knows about me, and that's okay, right? Right. But when I'm in a social gathering or whatever, you know, I say, oh, you know, I just bought a new bike. I'm riding 25 miles. I say, that's really great. And I don't say anything, right? They say, you ride? Eh, I've ridden. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, I <laughs> yeah. that. I've ridden coast to coast
0: twice. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've done, I've done, like, what's your longest date? Blah, blah, blah. And then so they discover this. You know, of me, not because I'm coming in it right away. So when somebody asks me, what's your biggest uh, accomplishment or, you know, where was the major turning point? I probably have had a number of them. Uh, but to say, oh, here's what really turned my life around. That's tough. Um, I I will say, um, let's let let me cite one unfortunate. Okay. Um, sure event, which you you probably know of this event. Uh, coaching, as you know, like parenting or whatever, it's extremely demanding, and um, coaching in particular keeps you away from your family yeah. for can. extended times sometimes. And um, and coaching is done on schedules, but life is not right. So things happen <laughs> right. in life, and so you know sometimes you can deal with them, sometimes you can't you know, because proximity or whatever. So on May twenty fifth. Uh, that's the National Junior College Championships every year in May. Um, I was down in um, Central Florida, uh, Central Florida College in Ocala, which is where they were held at that time. And um, our youngest son was born here in Kalamazoo. I was not here. Mm. Now, I, of course, blame Nancy for that because she was overdue. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we had the, we had it all planned out. But the point is, I mean, our family is fine and, and it wasn't like a big trauma, but as, as I, as I look back on that, I think, wow, um, that, that wasn't a good situation. Yeah. I, mean, I was not, there weren't complications in the delivery or anything, you know, no, no big super story to this, except yeah. for the fact year after year after year for the rest of my life, I go back and say to Craig, that's the son that was born. Yes. I say, Craig, happy birthday. He's like, yeah, Dad, glad you're here this time.
1: You yeah, know, right, I mean, right. It's a joke. Yeah, Craig, forever. You know, you know Craig. Yeah. Uh <laughs> I'll be
0: I'll be here for your birthday this year, Craig.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So I'm not sure that's a turning point, but it's one of those things of uh of the reality, you know. Yeah. Uh and so not an adversity, not getting over something. I was here for all my other kids being born. Yeah. But uh, that's one of those things I, I do recognize as, wow, that was a sacrifice on everybody's yeah. part.
1: So for every, um, yeah, not just you, right? Like a- everyone's involved in no, a little bit, well, right? No, not me at all. I probably,
0: so Nancy recruited a very good friend of ours, um, Mary, and uh, Mary was me in yeah. the labor room.
1: She's a labor coach. And
0: they had a dinner together. <laughs> Yeah,
1: At awesome. hospital, which they don't do. Yeah, you know we forget. Like the, the the well, I don't know if we forget. But, like it's it's people adapt around for for our lives, right? For for our careers, for our right. for our passions, and it's uh, it's not an easy one. It, it, it's one of the things I learned as a young age. Nick Saban actually sat me down and said that. Like talked a little bit about how how tough that is. Like, hey, you make this choice, like. Let me tell you what it's going to be like. And I think he was really the first guy who really said, like, get ready. And I was like, wow. Like, <laughs> like you know, you see all the good things about coaching and, hey, let's win a championship. And I got a new job and this organization. They really want me. And like, oh, Andrew, you know, he was the first who says, you're going to get fired. And I'm like, oh, no, no, I don't want to be fired. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you won't have any choice. <laughs> like. like Oh yeah. He's like, they're going to like their staff and they're just, it's not anything to do with you necessarily do your best. And maybe But I was like, wow, he really, he really opened my eyes to it. And, and, but the blessing of a, of a great family that can take those sacrifices in stride for whatever you're going for. Right. Like that's really critical on the people we choose around us. Cause we want those passions. What, tell me, tell me a little bit about what you learned on that ride. I mean, Hundred and fifteen miles well, a day. You go coast to coast. How 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 many days does that actually take? Forty. Forty? Forty days. Four to zero. Yeah. And you do that every day. Is there day. ever a day off?
0: Yeah, we did have a day off one day in um Grand Junction, Colorado.
1: So do you do like yeah. that's not so that's not day beautiful, twenty. Beautiful yeah, beautiful place oh, no, to no, no, have no, no. it. Beautiful place to have it, but you're also breathing through a straw at that altitude when you're a Kalamazoo, Michigan guy, and you're up at seventy five hundred, yeah. nine thousand feet.
0: Uh, well, I, I don't know what Grand Junction's at, but we did cross the Rockies at Wolf Creek Pass, which is twelve thousand five hundred. Yeah. So that 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 is a legitimate physiological challenge.
1: Yes, legitimate. <laughs> yeah, people don't appreciate that about. Uh, about the uh, Tour de France and cycling up into the into the oh journeys oh, oh, that,
0: that is the most athletic event in existence, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, it it uh, that bride changed my life. It was a life changing experience. I mean, not that I literally changed my life. I mean, exteriorly, but but um, uh, emotionally, physiologically, um, psychologically, uh, talk about. Something that's psychological. Um, yeah, you imagine one hundred and fifty, and you're at you're at mile eighty, and it's uh, you know raining, and it's you know fifty one degrees, and you have a you know ten mile an hour headwind, and you're in Nebraska. I mean, really, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you
1: know, and your legs are just burning. And, like you got lactic acid oh, like burning. crazy, just built up. Like oh, oh man. Absolutely.
0: so now I didn't do this myself. This was a a KVCC actually sponsored trip. Uh, for the Bicentennial in 76 was the first time. And then we went again in 2000 for the millennial. Um, but the first time we went, I think the biggest blessing was we had no idea what we were getting into. None. Just my stupidity was the blessing. <laughs> it was my stupidity. And by the time we went to Kansas, okay, you realize we're all in this together. We're all a bunch of idiots, but yeah. we don't have a choice in the middle of Kansas, you live in Michigan. What are you going to do?
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> you know?
0: Right. So, uh, it was a great experience for uh, team building, if you will. I mean, yes. I mean, we weren't literally an athletic, but we took a bunch of college students, 23 people.
1: Yeah.
0: Starting in California, everybody enthusiastic, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then you hit the Sierra <laughs> Nevadas and, you know, like two hours. And, uh, <laughs> they're not very, uh, uh, not not a high elevation necessarily, but very steep, right and curvy. Yeah. And so, after two hours, enthusiasm kind of fades, man. When you <laughs> hit these mountains, you've never ridden mountains before. Yeah. So anyway, um, the the pers- talk about perseverance. I mean, for forty days or thirty nine of riding, but forty days, uh, and you don't have a choice. Here again, in in modern terms, you know, everybody. Choices. Oh, oh, we don't want to finish today. Fine, let's not finish.
1: Well, yeah, right. If
0: you don't go 115, that means that tomorrow you got to go 190.
1: Yeah, right. And, and, and we don't have a hotel at 61 miles. We have a hotel at uh, 115.
0: <laughs> there ain't no hotels.
1: Oh, Do you didn't? What did Where'd you guys
0: stay? Well, okay, tents. We, we had a, we have decked out a, a school bus with bunks and everything, an old school bus. We oh, okay. Refir-
1: Wow, this is camping. And wow. we also
0: had um, tents. Kids brought tents. And we we bumped out at uh, football fields of schools and senior centers and uh, anywhere that would have us. Indian reservations out west, it was really yeah. a blast. Um, but it, it was a wonderful experience uh, bringing people together. Um, again, that wasn't the intent, but it was inevitable. When you yeah. present a challenge to a group of people and there are no choices, Period. I mean you you have to do this.
1: Right? Well, I don't I don't, know, I don't normal, know that I don't, that I don't, would I don't work feel today. like getting on the bike today like yeah what's that got to do with it? <laughs> yeah. Day? Well, well
0: that's fine. don't get on the bike today. Guess what? You kind of have to spend twice as much time tomorrow. I mean Yeah. the, the, the blatant reality of of this uh, it was a blessing and this is in 76 of course. Um in 2000 it was a totally very a totally different atmosphere. Mm. Uh, we had more adults, more professional people that, you know, could afford to take off 40 days of work, like attorneys and, you know, whatever. Yeah. And um, so there were more adults uh, than the 76 trip. And uh, the 2000 trip was a whole lot less fun. Really? Because Oh, yeah. In 76, you had a bunch of folks, including the leaders who had no idea what the hell we were doing. And we were all in this together. And we all succeeded together. In 2000, it was a bunch of people who were well, not all of them, but a, a lot of the adults who were already bike riders, proficient bike yeah. riders, you know, bike club members. Yep. And um, they thought each each one had their own idea what was the
1: best thing. Yeah. To do. So there's a very, very little good. alignment.
0: A very little alignment in, in people that were adults who were obviously rich and they were used to doing whatever they wanted to do in life and making uh, and the they decisions could have, they and making afford to decisions. do that early. yep and and they did not they did not respond as well to my leadership let's put it that way because I was the one responsible for that trip um almost individually and um so we had a couple of riders that left that came down halfway we we offered uh a two halves to the trip from California yeah. to um <laughs> Iowa Mississippi river. And then, um, uh, you could come, you could join us there and you could either do the first half and then leave and then, or join us there and go to the East coast. And we have a number of people, four people that came down and joined us. Uh, um, and, uh, that was fine. It was part of the plan, but, um, they just were not willing to join the effort. Mm. And plus, they joined it in the middle, right? All these other people—they come all the
1: way from California. So anyway, yeah, totally different, totally different. That's atmosphere. that's pretty awesome, man. Let's let's um, I gotta wrap this up. I loved hearing yep. these stories. Let's let last thing, Daryl, Best way to win is there something that you, we didn't share today? We talked about the kiss principle. We talked about you know building alignment, getting you know finding that that area in your life where you can get a consistent message about what direction you might want to go. But it's time for the best way to win. Is there something that you want to share with the listeners that we did not touch on today?
0: Well, something amusing. And uh, I've since discovered that uh, Albert Einstein actually said something about this. <laughs> so that's not why I figured this out. But you may remember, perhaps again, not your era, but when A player of mine continued to do the same thing wrong, let's say, like they kept hitting the same shot and it was not successful. Yeah. I had a name for that. I said I call that insect mentality. Because, as you know, insects can't think. They just keep doing something until they die. Right. And so that was a cute way to let my players know, hey, change, learn how to do something different.
1: Adapt. Quit doing the
0: same thing incorrectly all the time. Einstein said it. I guess it was in 1981. I just came across it, and uh, and see what the quote was. But um, he said, "Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, and expecting a different outcome." Mm-hmm. So, how do you? What is the key to somebody winning? We use the word already, and that's adaptability. Right? You've got to adapt and change to a more successful outcome if you're not having success. I think that's the key.
1: For everyone, please uh follow the YouTube live, our channel, Leadershipity channel. We are at Leadershipity on Instagram, Twitter, I'm at Trent M. Clark. Uh, my handles on any of those that are trying Clark or leadershipity love to have you follow, please like, please subscribe, um, share this video. Give us a five-star rating. If you enjoyed it, we'd like uh, to always bring high level content. Look for our upcoming ebook, the pyramid of leadershipity. you always can direct message me or email me. Let me know what you think. We'd love to hear it or comment in the comment section. Uh, my quote today was on James one two. When you talk about that, um, I love James one two. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And I, you know, I think that's one of those hard things as a as a young person to really think about, like, oh. I'm losing. This is great. I'm getting a chance to learn. <laughs> like like that yeah. is not what we're thinking, you know, like, um, <laughs> and, and no one, you know, I lost my job. Oh, this is pure joy. No, I shaping you. Like we're, you know, when, when we won, and I think about the time like in tennis, right. You know, here I go play the, 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 the round of 32 and I win and six Oh, six one. I don't, I don't think anything about that match right all it's about is the round of 16 match and then i win that all all it's about is the quarterfinal, and then the semi-final i lose and spend the net next two weeks laboring over that semi-final loss like what did i do wrong coach daryl work with me on this what did, like well why don't we talk mm-hmm. about the three the three matches you just smoked people and what you did yeah. right and how you're gonna continue to strengthen that right and and we so often don't do it. it's it's the trials that shape us it's the perseverance that we have to face in the losses that often just is and i don't know if it's just human nature but i don't re- i don't recall counting it as pure joy i'll tell you that
0: <laughs> no the 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 meaning of success um period not in a win or loss is simply uh sustaining through adversity and learning from it and there's another bible verse that talks about the the sword and the uh, tempering of the sword and making it, um, you know, more fire uh, makes yeah. the, the sword stronger. Um, so yeah, I, I I totally agree.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. Well, Daryl, thank you so much. Uh looking forward to next week on the Winners Find a way show where we welcome Ann Gaffigan, who is the US holder for the steeplechase. She's uh she's a great athlete and uh, now on to all sorts of you know business success and all things. But um super excited to speak with Ann on this. Daryl, so much. Hey, mentor of mine coming on board. I'm so happy you could join us and have a little fun talking some shop. Happy to do it. Good job. Thank you. Thank you for being here, everybody. Uh, Leadershipity channel, tune in every Friday. Winners find a way. Look for the podcast coming soon. And can't wait to see you next time. Thank you for joining us for another Winners Find a Way show. I am your host, Trent Clark. If you love this episode, share this episode with your friends and follow us on whatever podcasting medium you're listening to. If you want more content from us, join us at leadershipity.com or the Leadershipity YouTube channel. You can find us on all the social media networks at either Trent M. Clark or Leadershipity. For our award-winning workshop, Win With Great Teams, you can find that page on LinkedIn, as well as our corporate page, Leadershipity. If you want to win more, it starts with you today. Say it with me now. I have what it takes.